Hello all, welcome to the Literacy Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 336, and today we'll be talking about Alpha Leader from Glitch Text. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So Alpha Leader proposes quite an interesting conundrum. Do Mitch Pyres have reflections? I think they have to. <laughs> they have very well done hair. That's a, that's a lot of hair product in there. I'm going to say, I think that the mechanics of Mitch Pyres are honestly much more like werewolves. You know, just getting bitten and now you're a werewolf. I don't know if the whole, you know, do Mitches need sustenance? Although I guess perhaps they need the yeah. sustenance of believing that people respect them. Maybe maybe that's their blood equivalent. You know, and it's not like a werewolf because you're a Mitch Pyre the entire time. It's not a, you know, reoccurrence. Yeah, I think with Mitch Pyres, it's like changelings from My Little Pony, and except instead of feeding off love, they feed off of, I don't want to use the term respect, I guess obedience would be a better word. Yeah, because they can at least directly see that, you know. So I don't know. <laughs> but I, I like the introduction of the concept, or at least Mika's teasing. She took it pretty well, this uh, horrible... Stupid decision that Five did this episode to, uh, you know, attempt to be Mitch. It's weird that he took his advice in the first place, and it led us through, you know, an expected journey where, of course, Five was going to realize that he looked like an idiot, and a little bonus was thrown in there that, of course, nobody else respects Mitch. His own teammates are very willing to express that. I mean, we just discussed the haunted campfire from Summer Camp Island last week, and I was wondering, where was Susie on this one to come in and call everyone dummies at the very end? <laughs> Susie just holding a hose, filling in back one of the one of the pools at the amusement park. You dummies. <sighs> That's a Photoshop job I have to do now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see it. But th- this was probably the episode I enjoyed watching the least, just because it's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, you've seen this plot done before. You know exactly how this is going to happen. and. It's like you see the car crash happening. And you, it's like, no, five, listen to me. <laughs> I know. And it's so, like, I cringe so hard. I've been watching a lot of, like, Seinfeld recently, and I had not known how much it leaned on kind of, like, cringe humor. And I was just feeling that again <laughs> all during this episode. Like, oh, put your collar down, five. <laughs> Get your hair back up, five. Come on, what are you doing? Now, I did have, you know, at least one cool moment on the bridge. Once he, uh, you know, actually stopped being Mitch, where he, you know, was able to take back being himself by saying, it's not four. Four against five. Oh, man. That was so cool. Also, animation-wise, it was cool, except it wasn't cool for five because he, he lost this part. But there was a moment where he, like, leaps into the air and shoots a laser beam at a tank and... Like, the the screen, it does the, like, horizontal slashing, right? Where it's black bars on the edges. And they're both outside it. And the beam goes. And it's super cool. But, of course, he gets thrown to the ground. And so it's not super cool for him. And so, you know. <laughs> but it was a cool it was a cool animation thing. So, you know. But it made me think that that moment. And then later on, once he has reclaimed being himself again. And he's doing another fight again against Tank. He jumps in the air super high. And I'm really thinking about this problem again. Which is. Are these kids just crazy agile and superhumans, or is it the suits? I don't, I don't know. They might have spring boots or some kind of, you know, they may, they may have the boots of Spring Heel Jack from uh, Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion. You, you don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It brings me back to when we would watch episodes of Steven Universe, and I would think, 
Is Steven strong or is that just a coincidence? <laughs> you know, yeah. turned out he was strong, but because it's a cartoon, you never know. Right. Whereas these, Plausible these deniability, guys, baby. I don't know. It's got to be the suits. But then again, you know, sometimes these kids have weird properties like Miko, you know, mysterious properties happening. Yes, Miko is quite mysterious, isn't she? Ooh, especially when she turns into a Mitch Pyre at the end. <laughs> Man, she uh, handled their one-on-one talk so well in the middle of the episode. You know, she gets pulled away by five. She's like, ooh, we're doing secrets? Which I love that. I love that in Miko's head. <laughs> oh. Like, that's what could have been happening. Like, right in the middle of them doing this. Hey, I gotta tell you some secrets. We're best friends. Like, that's so adorable. <laughs> Uh, oh, you're making me think of making me think of Hilda now. Talking about telling ooh, people secrets, ooh. trading. Ooh, and you gotta trade some secrets for uh, some some uh, knowledge back from the Rat King. But yeah, ooh, yes, no. But Miko just was so confused. But she handled it in like I don't know. She could have been really abrasive or just you know strongly contradicted what Five was saying. But she kind of just took it and again a little bit of. The same kind of maturity or decision-making that she had last episode, where she kind of let Five fail a little bit <laughs> when he was bragging about knowing, you know, oh, I've beaten the game, and clearly he hadn't. Like, she just kind of is confused and disappointed, and she's like, well, surely this little plan of his to be a crappy <laughs> replica of Mitch is not going to work out, so okay. And Hanish knew that the whole time. Poor Hanish, like, yeah, <laughs> just trying to get a word in. Just keeps keeps putting his hand up and teacher never calls on him except at the very, very end. But like, man, these people respect authority so much. Like this whole little team, they're like, well, I, I guess we'll just let five do what he's going to do because we're not in any serious danger right now. But, you know, they they didn't ever just uh, mutiny. Just be like, nah, this ain't happening anymore. Wage slaves for life, baby. <laughs> it does make you wonder, like... How many glitch techs end up being called up into corporate, and how many end up being memory wiped and living ordinary lives? We haven't seen that yet, right? The consequence of people leaving Anobi. Now, I mean, we were hinted at once (laughs) from Bit that there was a half of somebody (laughs) going around in the world somewhere. The the end of the second season kind of teases something like that, but like we we don't even know like what that's a puzzle piece to, let alone where it fits. So oh. it's just tantalizing questions right now. Meanwhile, I, uh, you know, far away from the tantalizing questions, I like the, the introduction of Venetian Zara. I love how Five tries to introduce himself to him. It was a P-cool introduction. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would say V-cool. Oh, yeah. V-cool. But, yeah, I like that their relationship starting off as, oh, you know, we're like cool older teens. That's slightly intimidating for a younger teen. But they're, you know, in no way, they're like, they're cool people. So they're not, you know, thinking, oh, man, what a what a cringe little kid. Like, they're totally nice. And he's putting all this pressure on himself to socially perform when he doesn't need to, which I love. Story of a teenage life. See, relatable issues. They may be superhumans superheroes uh-huh but they uh they suffer from the same problems we all do uh speaking of suffering and the conscious experience of all human beings again the monsters we fight this week are not uh pure monsters they are conscious beings that talk and you know we got a lot of time off screen looking at what they do without any other humans observing it's a really funny team <laughs> yeah i uh 
I enjoy how a tank doesn't really care, you know, as well. Kind of like a, a torture device. Yeah, but they're... I like it. They're exploring this human world, which is interesting. And wouldn't they know what an amusement park is from the world they come from? Like, is there is them, is I their mean, multiplayer game just a world devoid of amusement parks? In the grim darkness of Overstrike, there is only four-on-four battle. There is. So no, they do not have time for amusement parks but again they can read english but who knows i mean they're glitches their team enter player entered team name so i don't know they just work by whatever code is written for them and yet i can't help but marvel at how you know the steven in me <laughs> wants them to grow we could keep them around we don't have to destroy them we could teach them to love look at the leaves look at the colors look at the distant shore maybe I mean, at the very least, there are probably some private military corporations that are hiring. <laughs> at minimum, we could get you a job. Tell you what, I'll take 50%. I mean, come on. It's a reasonable deal. But is that not what Hanobi's doing behind the scenes? I mean, all this I mean, tech. they are using the teens as cheap labor. I did, again, think about the teens. I don't know at what point in this episode. Just kind of thought again, like, are they using teenagers just because teenagers are much more intimately familiar with games and much more willing to be reckless and also take on this ridiculous concept and not just tell authorities instantly (laughs) like you know that maybe that's the reason why there's a bunch of teenagers doing this like they're not gonna squeal yeah it would make sense because they only hire people who are way into the gaming scene right and they're so caught up in it that they don't even think about being like wait should we be doing this <laughs> quietly without telling anyone? Shouldn't this game maker not be putting incredibly dangerous devices into people's households and then constantly causing mayhem that could end entire cities or, you know, worlds? Yeah, everything seems to work out well. Right. I wonder what would have happened if Team Entername had won this episode. What if they had got all four control points? Which it kind of looked like it did based on how many... Sky lasers were happening, but apparently did not, since they didn't win. Yeah, this was one of the most, like, gaming goal episodes, because there wasn't seemingly any real threat of these guys winning, uh, and there there wasn't much accomplished <laughs> at the end. Like, there wasn't a, oh, the, you know, sometimes we're in some bad state, and then the state is resolved, and things get cleaned up. This is, this is truly just like, you know, uh, capture <laughs> capture areas multiplayer game, and it just kind of ended. You know what it was, David? It was literally a trip to an amusement park. It was. <laughs> In the end, all that was important was having fun and the friends they made along the way. Yeah. And they learned a little bit about teamwork. Well, pretty much just five. But <laughs> maybe, maybe there's going to be a little bit of rotation on Mitch's team, though. A little bit of leadership rotation. Five already understood teamwork. What Five learned was that you can't lead like Mitch. You have to lead like Five. And then Miko would lead like Miko, except she doesn't lead, so that's how she leads. So we saw how the team works when you have a Mitch-type leader. So my question is, why is Mitch's team successful when he's on it? Like, he's just so good personally that even if he's a butt to his teammates and ignores what they say and stuff, like, somehow they just get through it anyway and they stay on the top of the leaderboards? Like, I'm surprised. He must be that competent. I'm assuming that the team succeeds on the basis of the individual skill of its members. And also, Mitch does know what to do. He's no dummy. Right. There are a bunch of very high performers competently executing a plan. 
led by somebody who has the single overriding goal of getting as much XP as possible. So, it's no wonder that they win every week. I really, you know, despite Mitch being wrong, there's something to me that wants it to be, like, revealed that he knows something about Hanobi, and that's why he's, like, trying to, like, max out his EXP. He's obsessed with it because it actually is going to help him, like, resolve a problem. It's one of those, like, the bad guy. I think there's a name for that trope. But, you know, the bad guy turns out to be good. Yeah, you're infiltrating the bad guys. Right. Well, and he can be a jerk along the way, but he can still have this, like, positive motive that's sort of secret. Yeah, they they do that in Tiger Mask Double. One of the two Tiger Masks Mm -hmm. infiltrated the evil organization with the intent of finding and beating up the dude who led him to join the evil organization in the first place. And the funny thing is, they recruited him knowing full well that he hated them. So hopefully uh, anyone infiltrating Hinobi would not have that disadvantage. I just want to give Mitch some reason to not be a just complete meanie <laughs> and, and, and loser. Yeah, just, uh, I think you, I think, you, I think you should keep watching. It's, uh, he, he gets the Laura's treatment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause right now, like, you know, except we're, wa- we're following summer camp Island. Susie is a character. I love to hate to love. But Mitch is just a character <laughs> that I hate. What a what a what a what a big meanie. I don't know. So I guess we'll see. See what happens. Mitch is a big fat meanie. Big fat big meanie fat zucchini. zucchini. Yeah, we'll chop him yep. up and serve him with linguini. Anyway. Yeah, pretty pretty uh I'm gonna give this one a solid seven. We always rate every episode. Yes, we are famous for giving numerical scores to episodes. Yes, yes. Um, Yeah, it was pretty good. Kind of predictable. Yeah, once once you get past the cringe, which... Like, the the cringe really affects my personal enjoyment of the episode, but at least it doesn't impact the the overall quality of the episode. It's just like, like, oh, I wish... I wish they told a different story. Like, how are we... We we could because there were even so many things where it's like, what kind of leader are you? And then showing Tank not listening to his teammates after Five has decided to start listening to his, and it's like they're being super on the nose with the theme here. Mm. Yeah, a little on the nose, but that's okay. Side question: Is there a stash of Mitch type jackets hanging around that anyone can borrow at any time? Is that where Five got his jacket? Is that just coincidental? Uh, no, no. Didn't you see Mitch open up his own locker to Five? Whoa! Why would he do that? I did miss that, and that seems uncharacteristic for Mitch, except that he's so concerned about his own reputation that he needs yeah. Five to basically just be him standing. Well, well, I guess that is kind of his motivation. Yeah, the you missed the, the his hair product is called Pure Man. Hold me. Well, no, I thought that was oh that's his hair, no, no, that's I Mitch's thought, locker. He scratches Five's locker. You're right, and then, uh, opens his own. I was confused. Yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, I was like, why does Five have this <laughs> weird hair gel in here? But that makes sense now. Nope, that makes sense. That's Mitch's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mitch's Pure Man. <laughs> Hundo P. Actually, you can't hold him since he's in a in a bubble. Very relevant to our times. Technically, all humans are. <laughs> all humans are dying. Yep they uh, they foresaw everything. <laughs> yes, just like the Simpsons, glitch text will predict uh, everything that happened. Oh, I have one more uh, complaint. <laughs> it's a good way to end an episode, right? Okay, go for it. Uh, five could 
open the, the the pink bubble and no one else could. And I know the theme song says they've got the tech, we've got the crew, you know, whatever. Apparently only five has the, the tech to, to open the bubble. No, they, they mentioned that. They mentioned that there was uh the the they mentioned that the bubble was some kind of dampening field because their gauntlets weren't getting the signal that they needed. And signal also equals power? Because I thought they were just trying to like communicate, yes. but they couldn't even use the gauntlets. Because it was disrupted inside. Okay. Okay. Here, hold on. Let me pull up the relevant page of the manual here. <laughs> Consulting the manual. No, that's already a reasonable explanation. You know, that's why we bring these things up. Because David watches episodes that are written uh, for children ages, um, you know, 5 to 12. And then, <laughs> then he realizes that it is internally logically consistent. Let's see here. Wait, do they have like a detailed description of how the gauntlets work and what can and can't uh, disrupt them? And I wouldn't say it's super detailed, but yeah, there's a there's a fair amount of info out there. Yeah, well, the manual exists like for the people writing, right? I wonder if something similar existed for, you know, like the fairy godparents wands, all those rules that you have to think about when you write stories later. Okay, I don't think the bit about them needing a signal is in the manual. I think that's somewhere else. But yeah, they, they mentioned it briefly in Castle Crawl. Right, the yeah. Getting weak signal weakens your gauntlet. And so that's why only someone outside of the dampening field was able to use his gauntlet effectively. I mean, it makes perfect sense. You don't want someone being able to grab one of those guys and go rogue. Like, if you know that, let's say, Ridley... Never mind, I didn't say anything. Oh, spoiler. I said Characters nothing. ahead of time. Well, you're already making my cog spin, because also I'm thinking, what is the mechanics of that? Is getting a weak signal like that Hanobi doesn't want you to steal the tech and run away with it? Because then you could theoretically just hack the gauntlet and override the code that says, hey, don't shut off or weaken when you're away from the signal. Yeah, I don't. I don't know exactly... Like I said, there's so much we don't know about Hinobi, even once you finish the second season. I feel like seasons three and four would have been very juicy were they to ever be completed and aired. Yeah, that would be cool. Like, I want to meet a character that just, they know everything, and we don't hear everything from them about Hinobi, but they've, you know, they've hacked the gauntlet, and they can just portal everywhere and use the max power, and they don't have to get EXP to have access to all of the tools and whatever. You know, a, a rogue would be interesting and would confuse our protagonist being like, what is going on? And then it turns out they're in cahoots with Mitch. Mitch is on the inside, they're on the outside. It could be a whole <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, Mitch is the inside man uh-huh, the uh-huh. whole time. That would be cool. I don't think it's Mitch, though. I, uh, I I don't think the inside man. I think Bergie would be a much better man on the inside. Like, who would suspect Bergie? All I'm thinking about now is that we're covering this show, and if a season three doesn't come out, what's going to happen is in our rotation of podcast episodes, we're going to be like, all right, welcome back, guys. Uh, this is going to be our conversation on season three, episode one of our fanfic <laughs> of season three yeah. of Glitch Decks. We are going to just uh, read it directly from fanfic.net, and um, well, here we go. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, if season three doesn't get finished animating they'll at least do as much as they can to get as much of the animatics out as possible or at least the story outlines because they have the they have them boarded they have them they basically have animatics with voiced animatics ready to go so wow hopefully at least that gets put somewhere 
So we'll have 10 more episodes worth of knowledge. Netflix, Even if they never animate it. What is the secret about Netflix's platform? That'll be, like, is the same thing going to happen with other streaming platforms? Is that just the nature of streaming opposed to cable where they just decide to drop shows all the time? I guess we'll see. Like, Infinity Train is sort of in that middle ground right now where, I mean, it did start on really the cable network, but it feels like they're just dropping it now and it doesn't really make sense. You know, it's like these high quality shows and they seemingly have an audience, but they're, they're famous for dropping streaming shows. But like, what about shows like Invader Zim? They, they used to drop shows all the time back in the cable days. Yeah, but that show actually like was having problems. <laughs> it wasn't just, eh, okay. To be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was having problems behind the scenes. It was having problems like, airing or uh but or like i know secret saturdays like had an actual ending but i just so wish they'd done a somebody had ponied up for a secret scientist spin-off series that would have made my day or oh symbionic titan symbiotic titan was a beautiful show but they couldn't get any toy deals so they axed it (sighs) well yeah that's one positive uh thing i don't know there's something about and maybe that's not true with streaming it just feels like the emphasis on toys is been greatly reduced or like i look at what type of shows have come out on you know cartoon network at least in the past five years and it does not feel very toy oriented or even longer than five years like i mean you think just starting with the regular show adventure time era i mean adventure time got their mcdonald's toys but then adventure time got their funko pops oh, what are God. you talking well about? everything gets funko pops now but you know like steven universe just wasn't really a heavy merch show um they got their Funko Pops, though, at least. Yeah, but, like, the emphasis on just, like, we have to produce a bunch of action figures. Or you even think of the major, you know, Avatar, Korra. They just, <laughs> they're, like, these realistically proportioned characters, and they just don't really translate to action figures and stuff. Yeah. Or, like, even the Shira reboot. It's explicitly, like, we don't care. <laughs> this is the opposite of doing character design specific for toys. Anyway, uh, all I'm saying is... Glitch text, no toys, no season three, uh, streaming words, keywords, the end. <laughs> it's all sad, but we're going to make our fanfic happen no matter what. <laughs> Maybe we will. Maybe we will. Anyway, guys, that's been us on Alpha Leader. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.